0: Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today we have a serial entrepreneur that uh, is going to be joining us, and uh, quite exciting, you know. Also, you know, very well versed in in Europe, but then also, I mean, he has been all over the world. So I guess uh, without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Nigel Verdon. Welcome to the show.
1: Uh, thank you, thank you for the invitation, and and also the warm welcome. That's very kind of you.
0: So, Nigel, so, obviously, you're originally born in Germany, but you don't have a Dutch accent. So, obviously, you know, that comes from perhaps Irish parents that were traveling all over the
1: world. So, how was that? Yeah, that's true. Yes, my mother and father, both from uh, Dublin. And, uh, unfortunately, they they left, had to leave to get married, because in those days, they wouldn't marry a a Catholic and a Protestant. My mother's Southern Protestant. So, they left, and my father ended up in the British military and uh, so I was brought up all over the world, uh, Hong Kong, around Germany, around the UK, uh, and, and the United States as well, and claimed uh, Virginia. So it's, it's a super interesting <laughs> upbringing and eye-opening in all sorts of places like Malaya, like uh, Nepal, Hong Kong, a lot of Southeast Asia, uh, fascinating upbringing. And I think that sort of helped uh, develop a, a sort of a global, mindset from uh, childhood with uh, not intending to do it but just by circumstance
0: absolutely so how would you say that uh, because in many instances I, i i interview a lot of entrepreneurs that maybe they are like in one single place where they were born and raised and then all of a sudden they travel overseas and then it's like their mind opens up different perspective and that perhaps influences them into maybe starting a company so i guess how do you think
1: this influenced maybe the entrepreneur that you are today? Uh, I think it's really the influence was on uh, countries that may look similar are totally different in their psyche uh, and language and everything else. Uh, and so don't make assumptions uh, about uh, somebody uh, because diver- they massively diverse. Uh, the other thing I observed is different, different cultures have different ways of thinking. Uh, and bringing that together into a company like like we have in Rails Bank uh, uh, creates very different, uh, I think, global and well thought through outcomes, uh, and and outcomes that you can localize your thinking and product, uh, but still have a global capability, uh, and that's super interesting because of uh, talking and meeting many entrepreneurs uh, coming over to say Singapore, where where I live and Bells has, Bank has an office there, is uh, I've seen some U.S. West Coast companies, and sometimes first time outside of, as you said, outside, outside of California, uh, figuring out the differences between Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, Singapore, uh, Philippines, and everything, and, and, and less, uh, being brought up and experiencing that, it was actually quite easy to figure out when, when we set up but. It's uh, appreciating those different cultures are fundamentally different in religion, outlook, and life, uh, philosophy of life from Confucianists uh, to Taoists uh, to uh, to uh, 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 different uh, uh, philosophical cultures uh, has really helped help grow our business and uh, and also our client base, which is the most important thing is how to work with the client and respect and understand and deliver to the local, uh, but still maintain being a global company. And,
0: and obviously talking about influences too, you had the entrepreneurial bug also in the family. Your great-grandfather founded a, a pretty big bank. Is that right?
1: It's a great-great-grandfather. He's, he's, he's in the 1850s or so. He's one of the founding fathers uh, of what's today called ANZ Bank. It was called the, the Melbourne and Victoria Bank. And in the head office of uh, ANZ, they still maintain his apartments, the old Gothic building, his apartments, the Verdon apartments are still maintained. But uh, I've dropped a note to the CEO, and he hasn't replied, unfortunately. <laughs> perhaps he will. <wouldn't
0: laughs> <know. laughs> got it, got it. So, so obviously you end up being in the UK uh, studying. Uh, but I guess that, you know, you had your first experience, perhaps with, with maybe failure you know, and, and, and learning from mistakes. So what happened there with the exams?
1: Sure, yeah. When I left school, uh, my, what's called in the UK called your A-levels, your finals for, from school or high school, as you call it in the States, uh, I, uh, I didn't get my grades. And so I, I wasn't going to go to university and ended up as a professional sailor uh, on one of the old tall ships, uh, which is actually a replica of the first ship of the US Navy called the Providence uh whose captain was a guy called john paul jones who wasn't the bassist of uh of uh, led zeppelin it's a few years beforehand uh and that was fascinating uh loved my time working there between maine and, and south carolina and doing a lot of sail training taking kids out uh doing reenactments like the boston tea party and everything but my father because he didn't go to university he uh persuaded me and said, this is the last thing I'm ever going to pay for you, Nigel. I'm going to pay for you. I'm going to pay for the education for you to uh, go and retake your exams. And uh, he was very persuasive, as in he just said, please, <laughs> on that. And uh, retook my exams and got to Warwick University. Uh, whereas it's actually a story with Rails Bank too, is my co-founder and I went to school together and uh, when I came, uh, ended up at university a year after leaving school because I'd taken that time off because I didn't think I was going to university. Uh, he turned up; uh, he'd just been in the Royal Navy uh, for a while and he, he was still serving. And I had a beard and long hair at the time, and he didn't rec- anything he recognized was my voice. And uh, today, he's uh, still the uh, co-founder of Railsbank. That's amazing. And in terms of uh, studying, you were you were
0: saying there. So why why engineering?
1: Oh, I loved engineering. Uh, uh, it was uh, uh, it's, it, it was more the physical side of it because during my school holidays I worked in an army garage uh, fixing Land Rovers, uh, Jeeps, or they called them in the States, and uh, and really really enjoyed it. Even uh, even ended up fixing tanks for two weeks, uh, and I thought engineering was like that, and, and fun, but it, it then ended up engineering is lots of maths and uh, lots of theoretical stuff. Uh, and things. So, and I, I've always had a fascination of how things are built uh, and how they work, and how they put how things are put together, and how you take raw goods and you get an ice cream coming out at the end. Some of that stuff just fascinates me.
0: Got it. So then, after you um, you went to university, then you you did a couple of stints before really you ended up um, going at it and, and taking that leap of faith with your first company. So here you were in EDS, then also Nomura, Swiss Bank, and and on this one, on this last one, you really learned how tech transformed businesses. So what did that look like at the time?
1: Yeah, it was uh, uh, Swiss Bank was a, a standard today called UBS uh, was a massive uh, set of in highly innovative people after the acquisition of uh, O'Connor, which is a proprietary trading business. Um, and they 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 use tech uh, to transform the trading. Let's call it in today's terminology, the trading experience, as you might say, that's uh, in today's terminology. But it, it transformed how you do it because beforehand it used to be video feeds uh, as opposed to digital feeds, and uh, the the timeliness of information. And the thing, the Swiss Bank called leadership at the time was super smart at. There's a guy called Craig Highmark who's primarily behind this, uh, who lives just near Silicon Valley. Uh, today, uh, was that they found this thing called Next Computers and Next Step, which is today called macOS, uh, and they had they were developing software tools, risk management models using the NextOS and the Next NextStep uh, uh, dev environment. That uh, is pretty was pretty much defining what everybody does today. The same same stuff. And it was the we were the second biggest client of them, and it's just seeing how the traders, the tech guys, ops guys, everybody sat together, and figured stuff out, and was was putting new products out there, getting new models, being able to take different and different views of risk super fast, and uh, that was a real sort of game changer that we didn't realise what was going on at the time, but uh, when we went on reflection. There's a massive, massive, massive change. And we just thought that was the normal uh, to do it until I talked to buddies of mine in ABN and others, uh, and they said, no, it's not like that here. And uh, even Goldman, they said, it's not really like that here either. And then we, we, two Goldman buddies and a university friend who was at ABN setting up their equity derivatives business, uh, we founded Evolution, that that first company, which is like a miniature Accenture. And part of the rail... And we see bootstrapped. Bootstrapped. I mean, completely different than you know the
0: the next companies that you would do. Which obviously it's it's tricky because it's like one step in the wrong direction is is lethal. So, so why did you think about really doing the bootstrapping you know approach here? And and what was that like?
1: It's sheer ignorance, uh, to be honest, because no idea of what venture capital was in those days. Or well, at least we didn't. <laughs> okay, so it right. was uh, it was we thought that's how you built a business. Uh, so we went and did that. So and the, the learnings of that is the difference between uh, venture backed and, and non venture backed, which we learned after a number of years later. And and right. and and also one of the things I think evolution has set the the path, and it's reflected in Rails Bank. Of we we built a uh, a business based on core values as well uh, within the team, and you'll find within Rails Bank we have. Uh, our CTO, Pete, was part of that original company. Uh, he was a project manager at the time in the company. Our chief architect was a CTO of that company and then was CTO of Currency Cloud. My co-founder was head of BizDev. Our chief data architect was a uh, MSC. Uh, sorry, no, finally a project student uh, who sat next to us on the trading floor doing crypto stuff uh, for us. And in those days, we were trying to to the connectivity between over the internet so we had to figure out you get SSL working and that's what his job was yeah. uh, which is all stuff which comes standard these days uh, so that, uh, that sort really of set the tone for what, what uh, Rails Bank is today I think and and I just want to talk touch uh,
0: based on one, one event here that I'm sure that really kind of like shape your views on leadership and, and perhaps culture. Uh, a really quite an an experience that I guess at the time was unfortunate, uh, which was obviously the dot-com bust and and how that affected you know your operations and, and a layoff that you had to do. So what happened there?
1: Sure, it was uh, basically uh, we learned uh, the the hard way it is when you're in a in a market that's just been devastated and uh, you've got to make decisions fast and and with dignity and unfortunately that means we had to uh we had to fire half the company in, in an afternoon. I once a decision made. And uh the the real learnings of that was we had a very good uh mentor, a guy called uh uh Mike, who was uh, a partner at P W C who sat, sat on our board, uh, and Michael Ninsky was his name. And he he just said, Look, you you've got to do this, make sure it's with dignity, it's done fairly, it's done by the book don't try and make excuses uh, for it don't say sorry just make sure that you uh, explain the situation and people will support you so there's some great coaching on that and uh, we 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 did the deed and then we all went out afterwards and had an amazing night uh on the company <laughs> so we said we'd pay for you last night uh but it right. was a real learning thing and it's it's shaped our decisions on how we handle covid uh, and also, when I founded Currency Cloud back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight was how you go through uh, the the, uh, doc, the, uh, the credit crunch as well. So it's, it was good, good training in some ways. Uh, but uh, and one of those people is uh, joined me at Currency Cloud. guy called Nick Borner, and is now our chief architect at Wells Bank. One of those people. That's, that's amazing. Everything comes
0: around, and obviously in this case, the outcome you know came around in a nice way because it was acquired.
1: Yes, it it was. It was, it was acquired, and uh, through I think two acquisitions after that, became part of BAE. A very, very, very small part of BAE Systems, which is on the foot two one hundred. Right. Very
0: cool. So then, after this, you went into Dresner, uh, basically with the idea of turning around the company, and and this was a very nice segue into. Currency Cloud, which would be your next business. So tell us about this.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, Dresden was, uh, I, I, I was I was brought in by an, the former head of equities at Swiss Bank to help him turn around the business, uh, and it was a uh, it was actually a lot of ex Swiss Bank people too. I turned up there and I was getting emails saying, "Nigel, why are you here? Why are you here?" I thought, "So we got rid of right. you," type of thing. there's <laughs> so A lot of uh, al Ramsey, who was the previous uh, CIO there, was. Uh, at uh, swiss Corps as well. He then became CEO of BT. He's now Chief Digital Officer at uh, Prudential. Uh, and there was a ton of others on the trading side. Half uh, uh, our prop team, uh, proprietary trading team was there as well. Uh, and uh, one of the sort of inspiring people I met there, uh, after we turned the equities business around, that was fairly, uh, not say really an easy thing, but it, was, it wasn't was an intellectual thing to do. It was a guy called Sean Park. And Sean founded an amazing uh Investment fund, and he's also uh, one of the leading sort of angel guys at the time too. Uh, so it's invested in Betfair, which is a billion dollar exit. Uh, Weather Bill, another billion dollar exit. Uh, he put the money from Dresner into uh, uh, Market, which is like four or five billion dollar company now. And uh, and Antimus was the uh, uh, his vision of financial services. And uh, so when we both left, he founded Antimus, and, and Antimist an investor in. Bank Simple into uh, Betterment into Currency Cloud, uh, a ton of well, well known name, uh, uh, names. Uh, so he founded, uh, and, and I founded uh, Currency Cloud at the time. Was, it was actually called Effects or FX Capital Group at the time because it, it started off as a small brokerage. Uh, and one of the, uh, it was just, I think, a combination of timing and and people that this this fintech movement then started emerging end of 2010 2011 uh, at the sort of the response to uh the distrust and everything within the banking sector uh Transwise came out of it and things that i remember introduced by a guy called michael jackson winston i'm seeing for lunch tomorrow who uh, was the ceo of uh, skype he said, uh, There's a couple of guys who want to do a foreign exchange business. You know foreign exchange, Nigel. Can you help them? And Kristen Tarvit uh, came and showed me their PowerPoint deck because it wasn't a business at the time and uh, sort of figured out how we could help them get their foreign exchange working and things. And one of the things I learned quite quite quickly off them is these guys were going to build a, a massive business because they really actually knew about consumers. I think it's learned from the, the uh, Skype experience that, uh, that Tarvit had. And uh, that was uh, also the time when uh, Nick Bourne and I uh, were thinking through, should we actually be a direct consumer? Should we be a direct to SME or should we be actually uh, a platform? Because uh, we were just getting into understanding of what platforms were. And so we it was inspired by, as in uh, Bulgaria, at the time at an Anthemist conference, uh, with the first venture fund uh, that was in Bulgaria at the time, a guy called Pavel headed it up at Torture Bank, and a friend of mine was doing a, a, a talk on uh, telco platforms, and then the penny dropped, because telco industry, like five years beforehand, uh, had gone through this platformification, horrible word. And so I, I texted, because uh, I didn't have a smartphone in those days, uh, Nick Borner and said, uh, can you register domain name? Uh, currency cloud and he said it's not available. How about the currency cloud because that's what it was originally called so we uh we because i said we've got we've got to change into being a platform business and that's what we did in uh two thousand late 2010, 2011, and uh the first clients there uh were a Fedor bank and transferwise uh and that proved the concept of an api led business and the business model was there. And that's what we uh, carried on raising capital for in the Series A, uh, backed by Fred Destan, who's another very well-known uh, venture uh, investor. Yeah,
0: so how, how much capital did you guys raise for, for Currency Uh I think it's 70
1: plus million now. It's uh, uh, an awful lot of money that's has been raised. Uh, yeah. uh, gone into it. And it's it's good business. It's, uh, it's respected. Uh, it's uh, Google's invested in it. Visa's invested in it, Uh, so, and uh, it's uh, got global offices uh, everywhere now, and uh, I think you met Dov, uh, who... Absolutely, uh,
0: who made this podcast possible, so so shout out to Dov Marmor if he's uh, listening. So I guess, uh, Nigel, let me ask you this, so why, I mean, obviously, Currency Cloud, you know, like, really uh, took a... Life of its own, uh, you know. I don't know how many employees in the hundreds, say, probably now. And as you were saying, like a ton of money that that it has raised. So,
1: so why did you decide to leave? It's, I hired in, uh, in 2012 when we uh, closed Series A. I hired in a chief executive to to run the company because I was living between UK and France, and uh, I didn't want to be full time in the UK. So, I wanted to primarily uh, be there with the, see the kids growing up who growing up in France. And so that was one of the main decisions. We discussed it with uh, Sean Park, who was on the board, uh, with Fred, who was joining the board and was leading the Series A and agreed that I would uh, be chairman role, executive chairman role, and we would hire and do a search for a chief executive to uh, to, to run the business. So, And over the next, uh, from 2012, 2015, 2016, uh, I think Mike uh, was, took control of the business, which is good news, and a good management team coming in, and they really grew the business. and uh, And it came a place where uh, the 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 job, my job essentially had been done. And I've always been thinking through, okay, what would I'd liked. And I had the same conversation with Tavo Christie with uh, uh, another colleague. Uh, uh, I've never actually founded Pocket, and another one that founded a business called Freeze, uh, saying, "What would you have liked if you could have started again?" They all said, "Imagine if we had banking infrastructure, so we didn't have to integrate five or six vendors. We didn't have to do this. We should have just had one API and just got live, and didn't waste nine to twelve months, two to three million bucks before we could even take a customer." On, something to accelerate that, and that was the genesis of of wells bank we went out and 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 started to build that and this
0: was obviously in 2016 yes Um, so then how how did you think about i mean obviously here it is your third business so i mean what were the top three things that you knew that you had it to really tackle um and that you were going to get right based on what you had experienced with currency and then also with your previous company with evolution, like you knew, you know, based on experience, that there was going to be three things at least that you're going to tackle. What were those three
1: things? Uh, first thing is a value proposition, uh, sort out the value proposition because it doesn't matter how good your tech is or anything. If people don't buy your value prop, uh, you've got a, a better mousetrap, if you said, I mean, unless your better mousetrap is unbelievably better. Uh, so, right. we spent uh, six that's about six nine months. With a PowerPoint deck just testing value props with uh sixty, seventy different uh, people, then honing them down to what resonates, what do they people want to buy and uh what helps them and solves them real pain points. Because we really want to test does this is actually we think it's a great idea and we've got a few people that have been told on that. And one of the other learnings from that is I call it the, the grandmother test. Never ask a friend of yours uh, or your grandmother to, with uh, your new business idea, because they'll always tell you it's fantastic. And so, <laughs> so we made sure we, we talked to people who were difficult, people who opinionated, people who didn't know us uh, to see if we can find that value proposition. So that's the first thing is a value proposition. Uh, number two is uh, you've got to uh, have a team of people. Who are robust, who uh, can work through things, uh, can allow each other to get uh, angry at times, because uh, you're just passionate about stuff, and and build a sort of a spree that builds a, a sort of culture of of pace, a culture of sort of operating at pace, a culture of let's fix it, a culture of getting things done, but not over engineering and overthinking. Uh, and that's, uh, that's how we started up uh, Rails Bank. My co-founder, Clive, was a nuclear weapons officer in the Royal Navy in the submarines. And uh, they had that same culture. If you're working in a submarine, if something goes wrong, uh, you just get it done. Uh, and you sort out what rank you were afterwards. Uh, so that that was the uh, second thing. So our, our head of people uh, joined us super early. And she was... Uh, 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 ex-professional rugby player at Saracens and Waps and has 35 caps for the England women's rugby team uh, because she set the the standards as well uh, of of people. Not a normal HR person, but uh, she is uh, phenomenal at uh, leadership and and getting the right people. The next thing was uh, uh, you then need customers uh, as well as also product. Uh, Customers define everything. And uh, we built the product in conjunction or the prototype, and then product in conjunction with with customers. And uh, and key thing on that was make sure we didn't build anything customized or bespoke. Uh, we took inspiration from um, Benioff at Salesforce. It was a total single platform for everybody, uh, and that's how you get the sort of SaaS economics and SaaS scaling of it. So that that was the other learning one is uh, don't try and do everything, anything bespoken and, and learn the difference uh, from a product perspective. Uh, I learned product at, uh, at Currency Cloud as opposed to uh, software, which is different than product. Uh, and the, it's learning how to everything that people give you is not a requirement. it's an insight. And if you have an insight and you correlate lots of insights into something. They become a requirement, and that goes into the product, because an insight may be articulated in ten different ways, but it means like we like that button green, (laughs) as you said. I mean, and that was a big learning of 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 using the word insight rather than requirements, because if you say the word requirement, you mentally think uh, that you must have it. Uh, An insight is, hey, that's a useful piece of information. Let's squirrel that away. And then see what other insights it correlates with.
0: So, so then for Rails Bank, Nigel, how much capital have you guys raised today?
1: Uh, we've raised, uh, I think it's just over twelve million uh, to date, uh, and uh, there'll be some more news flow on that uh, very, very, very soon, as well.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So let's say let's say today you go to sleep, Nigel, and you wake up five years later in a world where the vision of Rails Bank is fully realized. What does that world, what does that look like?
1: Uh, President Trump has left. That's first thing. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, so that's, that's probably putting the bear there, but uh, no, uh, yeah. uh, like in the, uh, the world of data centers and TIN, uh, as it used to be called, uh, there's AWS now, there's Google Cloud, there's Ping An Cloud, there's uh, Alibaba Cloud, and uh, and there's uh microsoft's uh, uh cloud uh we see the same vision for financial services there'll be a number of platforms that uh, that people will operate on top of and we will be one of those platforms
0: very cool very cool so so one of the uh questions that that I typically ask the guests that come on the show is if you had the opportunity to go back in time, maybe maybe you have a chat with that younger Nigel that uh, that is still, you know, in 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 maybe like working at what is now UBS, uh, thinking about like maybe launching a business. What would be based on what you know now? I mean, it's been an incredible ride for you, Nigel. You know the ups, the downs, uh, the learnings, the successes. So if you were able to chat with that younger Nigel and give that younger Nigel one piece, only one piece of business advice based on what you know now about build, building a business, what would that be and, and why?
1: Uh, I'd actually probably go back uh, to the time I told my father I was going to be a professional musician because uh, I, I played, played guitar all my life. And that's the reason I messed up my exams. Of one of the reasons, rugby me and, and playing guitar. Uh, and I would have said to him, follow your belief and become a musician. <laughs> That's what I would have said. And uh, friends of mine did do that, and now they conduct the Royal Philharmonic, the whole Ballet. uh play saxophone all, all over the world as well. That's amazing.
0: So Nigel, for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm the only Nigel Verdon, uh, V-E-R-D-O-N, on LinkedIn. Uh, unless somebody's spoofing me on there. Uh, and uh, please uh, also to go to RailsBank, www.railsbank.com, or on Twitter, uh, Nigel Verdon, all one word, or RailsBank, all one word. Delighted to, uh, to chat, and thank you.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you for being on the DealMaker show
1: today. Nigel. Thank you, Alexandro, for the, the invitation and the opportunity to speak. It's been a real pleasant experience. Thank you.